1: This is
2: Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's
1: going on, you? good humans welcome to a very very fun episode of good humans podcast this is guest episode number 76 with a great friend of mine and fellow pro surfer india robinson if it's your first time here today a very warm welcome please do me a huge favor hit that follow and subscribe button leave us a five-star rating it takes you about 10 seconds and does massive things for us to move up the ratings also leave us a review over on apple podcast and the best thing you can do is tag both myself and india share this on your instagram story the um little tile from this episode. Let your friends know all about it because I know this episode can really help a lot of people. Another thing that can help a lot of people is our incredible sponsors, Drink AREPA. AREPA is a brain function drink. So this relates very well to today's episode because India had um, a brain injury. The product was actually developed by neuroscientists and the why behind a rapper is really special because Angus, the co-founder who I had on this podcast, went on to explain that he'd had some family history with um brain, not disease, brain function kind of things happening from Alzheimer's and dementia in his family. So, because of this, he wanted to contribute to, yeah, making people's brains function better. So, Drink Arepa is, yeah, a neuroscience-based brain drink. It tastes like blackcurrant juice. It's delicious. It's got a New Zealand neuroberry in it. It also has Um, L-theanine for calming the brain, but it's so, so good for brain focus, short-term and performance, but also for your brain health long-term. So go over to their website. It is in the show notes, drinkarepa.com. Use the code GOODHUMAN and you get a massive 25% off. So they've got a range of products from powders to capsules to the drinks, which are my favorite. So go check them out. I love them. So does India. All right. Today's guest, India Robinson, has got a story that I was so unexpected of. I traveled the world with India back in 2021, both of us chasing the dream of qualifying for the World Surf League World Tour. India reached that goal. She crushed her year and did so well on the Challenger Series. But one thing I didn't know was she was carrying a post-concussion syndrome. She was carrying a really debilitating injury where she basically couldn't practice. She couldn't train. She was only going out the minimal amounts she could to go and compete. And other than that, she was, yeah, bedridden couldn't get any energy and yeah it was all because of a little head knock she received um, a few weeks before heading overseas so the podcast is really interesting she then went on to qualify for the world tour and had another head knock which yeah once again put her out she got told not to go and compete she had to go against the doctor's will because as a pro surfer this is every kid's dream and she'd achieved it to get told not to go and do it would have been way too big over um yeah hard pill to swallow so I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you get educated a bit about concussion in this episode. I think it's really important for young athletes and people who might potentially get head knocks to understand the information in this episode. India is an incredible person. I know you're going to love this episode. Like I said before, share it around, let her know how much you love it. And yeah, let's jump straight into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, India Robinson. How you going, India?
3: I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm excited to have a chat. We've um spent quite a bit of time together over the years as pro surfers and have had such amazing experiences all around the world, but you've got a pretty unique story and the last couple of years have been, have some massive ups, but also some very lows for you, which um, I'm excited to get to chat to you about. But to kick today's episode off, um, I, you're actually a great guest for A um, Arepa is our sponsor and they're a brain function um, or a brain performance drink, and which we will get into later in your story. You've been dealing with some brain injuries. So yeah, let's have a little sip of yeah. a to kick this one off. So it's um, developed by neuroscientists, millions of dollars of clinical studies. It's got um, a New Zealand uroberry and yeah. then it's got um, pine bark extract and um, L-theanine, which is like the calming stuff from green tea. But basically, oh. it's like for brain performance, but also clarity and, yeah, it's got nothing bad in it. So cheers.
3: Cheers. Time to try cheese. it.
2: Um, yeah, let me know. You've got the fizzy one. I've got the non-fizzy
3: one, so... Oh my god, it tastes it's like really, oh it tastes like a juice box yeah. box from when I was a kid or something. It's yeah. so good.
2: It's delicious, but it's actually, yeah, really healthy and really good for you. So
0: Oh my God. That's keep really Keep the good. brain
2: fired up for the
0: Yeah, little episode That'll get me through up. it. <laughs> I mean,
2: as I told you before, I'm gonna send you some of this too, because I think it'll be good for your brain. Yeah.
3: I'm um, I'll take that. <laughs>
2: but sweet, so, hey, let's um let's get into your story. Actually, to start off, what I do ask all of my guests is what are you grateful for right now?
3: I'm really grateful for my support crew. Um, yeah, my family and friends, just as of lately, I've yeah really come to the conclusion that they've been the ones that have got me through the hard times and the good times, but yeah, I'm really grateful for them. I love that. That's yeah.
2: a nice one to be grateful for. So let's maybe kick off and you can tell the listener who you are and what you do.
3: Yeah, so um, I'm India Robinson, um, born and raised in Janjuk, Victoria, I am 22 years old now, and I am a professional surfer.
2: <laughs> yes, a very good surfer at that, and the last, um, the last couple of years have been amazing to watch a rise to the world tour and a whole bunch of things, which we will get into, but we're going to rewind back to the start. We want to get to know who you are, why you do what you do, and yeah, so let's rewind back to the start. Where would you grow up? What was family life like, siblings, and then, yeah, what was school like kind of up into your teen years?
3: Yeah. So um, I have come from a pretty big family. I've got three older brothers. um, Yeah. And my dad was the one that got into surfing first and then he pushed that onto my brothers. They loved it. And then naturally me seeing what my brothers are doing, I wanted to do everything they did. So whether that was footy, surfing, um, yeah, I just followed what they did. So naturally I just started surfing and then they started competing. So I also wanted to do that as well. Um, But yeah, throughout that process, it was also juggling all of the other sports I loved, which was netball, basketball, soccer, and um, yeah, just being a young kid at school, wanting to hang with my friends. And then I actually stopped surfing for a couple of years from the age of, so I started at three and then for at like the age of seven I really got into all of my dancing and soccer and stuff um Interesting. and then yeah I got back into it at I think 11 I was at, at a school surf competition I was like oh this is cool like I want to do this and like try and compete and then that's when um I started doing all of the wahoo grum comps and yeah traveling to a few more events with my brothers and stuff but it was, yeah, a weird process to try and juggle what I was actually passionate about. And then it came down to, yeah, do I want to go down the soccer route or do I want to go down the surfing route? And um, I'm really happy I chose the surfing route. <laughs> yeah,
2: what do you think drew you to surfing rather than soccer and other sports?
3: Um, I think the beach, like just the the atmosphere of being in the ocean all the time with my friends and just surfing like it's so enjoyable whereas soccer was like you're training in the sun so much and yeah you're running around but you're not able to do that that thing that you can do in the ocean it's pretty special yeah
2: i feel <laughs> very similar i i grew up playing um rugby union and yeah it was the same like i really enjoyed the competing part of the sport yeah but the training
0: sucks <laughs> yeah
2: whereas with surfing <laughs> The training, especially when you're a kid, is just going surfing, yeah. so that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it it's, it's a lot more um incentive to be a surfer, I think, when you're younger because you're like, Wait, the training's epic, I just yeah. go surfing. It's obviously changing a bit now with the environment we're in, um, yeah. where you're in with sort of the elite level. There is a lot more training behind the scenes other than just going surfing, <laughs> yeah. But as a kid, it's like, Yeah, I think I'll stop going to footy training. <laughs> I just go to the beach, which I think is a good choice. And with um, the career you've had, I think it's a very good choice for you. So what about school? What was school like for you in high school? I always find it very interesting, especially speaking to top-level athletes, how they found school because it usually goes one or the other way. So what was school like for you?
3: Um, Yeah, high school was – it was pretty good. I had um, all of my friends that I was at primary school with came to the same high school, so it was a very easy transition for me. I only did high school up until year nine at a a private school and then in year nine that's when I was like mom dad like I'm so invested in this sport like I want to surf more I want to be able to train more I'm traveling too much I'm falling behind like I want to be able to do this from wherever I am so that's when took a while and took a lot of convincing but I convinced them to let me do um distance education so yeah I did online school from year 9 to 11 um finished year 11 and decided not to do year 12 school was always a felt like an obligation for me and not so much something that I need like art for me I didn't feel like I needed it all of the paths I want to take in life didn't really need the school aspect um I loved that I learned all of the basic stuff that you do from school but yeah furthering my education going into like year 12 just wasn't the route I wanted to take so um yeah distance education allowed me to surf more travel around the world more and um yeah do the stuff that I was a bit more passionate about
2: yeah interesting so you were at what 15 started doing distance education yeah at that age in surfing the competitions aren't still that big because I kind of stayed at school because I knew that the events are a bit different which was a bit different when I was kind of at your age yeah but at that age what was the sort of events you were doing was it you already doing the QS at that age because it's different the whole the whole environment for women surfing changed quite a lot oh let's say 10 years ago probably now when girls like Tyler Wright and um, I mean, half of the girls now qualifying for tour are like 16, 17 years old. So yeah. you kind of, was that a big push for you in that direction that you're like, wait, these girls are hitting their prime at 16, 17, whereas I'm going to be at school. Is that, was that a driver for you?
3: Definitely. Um, the, I think the big change was the year I wanted to start doing the pro juniors. They changed it from being 21 and under to then under 18. So, um, I did my first ever 21 and under one and had pretty good success. And then I was like, whoa, like if it's changing, that means I have to adapt quicker. So, then at 15, I was, I did, started doing my first QS's um, just regionally around Australia and then was doing the pro junior full time. And I was just, yeah, kind of chasing that age bracket that all of these younger girls were getting success by 17 and I was Mm -hmm. like okay well if that's what I need to do then I've got to start committing at a really young age as well. (laughs)
2: Yeah it's interesting because when the WSL changed it to under 18 you used to for when I was there I got to finish school and then I could focus three years on the junior series and then progress to the um, QS whereas once they changed it it's like through your high school years is your prime so I guess that distance education and taking a bit of a backstep from school allowed you to have the success that you did have throughout your junior career. So yeah. let's talk about those junior years. Um, how'd you go on the junior series? You're, you competed against my little sister a fair bit. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Um, I was in a really talented age bracket. Um, there were so many good girls around the same age as me. So it was um, always trying to one-up each other Um even from as young as 12 in the state rounds, I was going up against Piper and all of these really good girls. And then, yeah, the pro junior stage, I won my first ever – it was my first pro junior I went in. It was that 21 and under one. Um, I went into it just to get a ranking for the next year and just see how I'd go. And, yeah, somehow ended up winning that one and then went on to do it full-time that next year. And um, that's when Macy was in her prime and was just – annihilating us all just winning every pro junior she went into and um yeah then that the so after that first year in the junior I learned so much and knew that I still had a lot to learn when it came to competing in like a more mature way yeah so um I did a lot of work with my coach Adam Robbo in Victoria and that next year I started making more finals and winning a few more pro juniors and then it went by really quickly. And then all of a sudden I was traveling around the world at a really young age, probably a bit too early, honestly, doing the um, QSs. I think I was 16 when I decided to go to Europe and try to Get a ranking to oh, get you. Where did you go with your
2: brother those
3: years? Yeah, yeah. so my brother was doing them and I, my mum went as well, and we were just like kind of tagging along. And do you remember
2: like, I came and stayed at your house like yeah. years ago? <laughs> yeah. But I remember, I was just remembering that. I was like, when you were coming over just now, I was like,
3: yeah. I remember
2: I've been and stayed at your guys' place for a couple of days for like when the Bells Comp was on yeah. with Cody, or was it maybe it wasn't even when Bells was on? Maybe I think it was.
3: was, it was before Bells was It was started. before Bells yeah. or something.
2: I came in, and your mum's a yoga teacher. Yes. So like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do remember
3: that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You
2: would have must have been. A, I was, that, would have been. Yeah, tiny. you would have been
3: tiny. That think, would have been when I was like. Yeah, you yeah. were Your
2: brother must have been 15, So You would have been like yeah. ten.
3: I would have been yeah, like ten, <laughs> 10 or eleven. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Wow. <Like> crazy. <laughs> oh, wild! Wild. So you go to Europe with your um brother and mom and do your first kind of stint international traveling. Yeah,
3: spent a lot of money to lose first round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you
2: sponsored back then.
3: Um. We somewhat. Sponsored. I was. Planning, I was with Roxy at the time, yeah. but a sticker funding. on the board, not really yeah, funding, funding. So,
2: is hard yeah. to come by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The bloody surf industry is tricky. And it's I feel so like, hard. Yeah, which we're going to get into how you funded your last sort of um, QS campaign because it's so expensive to travel the world and the funding is just like so, so hard. And I think people forget that when they're like, oh, pro surfer, traveling. Yeah. To it. It's like, no, this is a young girl who's probably working a job to be able to get enough money just to get to the next event. Mum and dad are helping out. It's yeah. like, it's not... Or like yeah. you know I mean travel the world go surfing yeah That's... it's
3: stressful yeah it's very stressful <laughs>
2: definitely so you did a year or two on the QS before yep. COVID because we'll talk about that period but how um how were those first couple of years in the QS what were the what was that experience like for you
3: um it definitely knocked my confidence down quite a bit um I was just riding the highs of being really successful in the junior career and um I just thought it would be the same once I got to the QS I was just going to go do the same thing but all of the girls having a few more years being at that level and um they, they were just so competition savvy they knew exactly how to get in my head and um yeah paddle around and hassle me and I just wasn't ready for it and the pressure of traveling at a young age knowing that your parents are supporting it you feel the pressure to get a result to get that money back to pay them back and Mm. it's um it's not so then yeah going into that next year I didn't want to have the financial pressure on me so that's when I decided to start making my own money and start working a bit more and um so then I didn't have that outside pressure I still had a lot of internal pressure Mm. but it wasn't something where it was like Oh I need to get a result otherwise I've wasted mum or dad's money. Yeah. Um it's like no I'm doing this for me because I want to and if I I'm going to do everything I can because it's my money now. Yeah. <laughs> like
2: And what were you doing for work?
3: Um I started coaching. Yeah, so I started coaching out of um surfing Australia a bit, making a bit of money there and also nannying on the side. Um yeah, for a family in Pottsville, so I was just doing whatever I could to make a bit of coin.
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like people forget that to be a professional especially with like professional surfing and that kind of level below the top level I mean even now you'll agree like even on the top level up to people of people that even have sponsors <laughs> yeah but once you start investing so much time into your work it takes away from your time to be able to improve in your surfing so it kind of creates an even bigger gap between the high-paid surfers with profile and the others yeah it quite a difficult transition but let's um before we get into your year qualifying I want to talk about what happened sort of in your career once COVID hit, because that for me was something that definitely spent a big fork in my road when it came yeah. to my surf career.
0: Yeah.
2: What happened with you there?
3: I was honestly so excited when I was really, really close to the burnout stage. I got to the end of the year and um, it'd been a long year, lots of losses for me. Yeah. 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 2019 Um, going into the last event of the year at Port Stephens. I, lost in the third round and I hadn't made it out of the third round I think all year or something so I was like I'm so over this like I lost that real fun side of surfing so then I was like um yeah and then after that we I still kept competing going into that next year we had Manly and Newcastle lost first round at both and um yeah I was like hey I've just gotta try and change my mindset going into New Zealand and then um yeah, they were like, they no one can go to New Zealand, the borders are shutting, COVID's like real. And a week prior to that, we were like, no, nah, it's all just like, it's not real, like yeah, it's yeah. just the flu, whatever. And so we all got sent home and I was like, cool like i'm glad i don't think i could compete for a while like i was really close to just being like i can't do it it's Mm. too much um and then i got home and i was like
2: home down to victoria Victoria.
3: yeah Yeah, i got home to victoria and uh, within like two weeks i messaged my friend and i'm like I think it's finally time to make the move like we'd been talking about it for so long let's move up to the north coast of New South Wales um, and move to Pottsville and she was like yeah let's do it like if we can't work and do stuff here like let's do it we've been wanting to do it for so long so um we grabbed our two best friends and um we made the drive up to Pottsville and we got out just before the Victorian border shut wow. um so we were really lucky in that sense and we had honestly probably the best year of our lives just being able to we were really fortunate as well being um on the north northern new south wales that we didn't have to isolate as much and we didn't get lockdowns yeah so we got to surf and enjoy normal life pretty much um so i just got into this rhythm i was training every day surfing every day and i was having so much fun just living with my best friends and then um, so, yeah, the 2020 year just changed my whole mindset on surfing and I loved it again. So I was really grateful for that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: wow. It's so cool to see how close you were to potentially burning out and maybe like not giving it up but like yeah. having just a couple more years of going through the motions but that COVID year kind of kicked back into gear to ignite that passion for surfing again. But something else that um, I really admire about you and we've worked alongside each other at Surfing Australia with you while I was building the Good Humor Factory. You're working with um our great friend Michelle Mitchell,
0: yeah,
2: um, and building Queen and Me. Do you want to tell us about that? How that came about and what that project
0: is?
3: Yeah. So, um, again, COVID that COVID year kind of allowed me time to work on my other passion, which is shining more of a spotlight on the women's surfers and um just how amazing and talented they are so um yeah that's when i decided to create queen in me michelle mitchell was like a huge help in that side of things and um when no one was allowed to travel and compete i ran an online surf competition for the girls just to keep that little fire going and they could see what others were doing and stuff, um, when we're not actually able to travel and compete against each other in real life. So, um, yeah, it started throughout COVID and then, um, yeah, the passion just kept growing and I wanted to be more interactive with the girls. So I decided to start running the Queen and Me camps out of the high performance center. Um, and they were a huge success. I was so impressed with how engaged the girls were, not just in the surfing side, but the other side of it, which is knowing your worth and um yeah sticking staying true to your values and stuff which I think you talk about mm. a lot which is again helped me so much and within like myself and staying true to yourself is such a hard thing to do in our industry and I think for girls especially it's um you've got an extra pressure on yourself to try and fit into the image that some of the brands are wanting you to be um so yeah I just want to provide a platform that can help educate them and inspire them to just be themselves authentically
2: Mm, i love that it's so special to know that you're trying to give back and like you kind of touched on then the surf industry is i don't even know the word i want to use here (laughs) (laughs) the surf industry is a bit tricky for a girl who isn't not willing but isn't trying to be the like bikini model girl and i spoke to laura Ennever about this pretty early on this podcast um like 50 episodes ago yeah and I feel like it has changed a little bit maybe since when she got there. Girls like Carissa Moore, Tyler Wright, who aren't your like girly girls, have really shown that being a strong, fit, professional surfer is more important than the selling the bikini side of things. Have you felt that sort of pressure through your career being a young female who wants to really dedicate yourself to the sport, but then there's also this flip side of having to try and sell bikinis?
3: 100%. Um, I think... It's definitely slowly making a shift, and um, I'm glad it is, but it shouldn't be taking this long to do so. So it's definitely frustrating. And at a young age, I definitely felt the pressure to. I was with a brand that did not align with who I was, and what they were asking me to do just was so far from what I was about that, mm. um, yeah, it came to the age of like 16, I was like it's just not working like why are they trying to make me do this instead of just supporting my like right. surfing I'm getting results like why aren't they offering me a contract because I'm getting better results than some of the other girls maybe that, that they just look a bit better in a bikini or whatnot so um yeah, at a young age again Michelle helped me with doing my values and as soon as I saw on paper what my values were I was like that brand is so far away from what I want to be aligned with mm. that that's when I was like, okay, i got to rip the sticker off and just even if, even if it means I'm unsponsored for a while, at least I'm staying true to who I am and can actually do what I'm proud to do. So. And
2: what are your values
0: if you can yeah, off the top of your head? Yeah.
3: Um, humility, just, yeah, I like being humble and um, within everything I do and then respect is a huge one both for yourself and everyone around you. And then the last one would probably be trust. Um, I like to have a very tight group and trust um, yeah, them with my life, really. I and love that. Yeah. So. And
2: obviously, yeah, with other brands that mightn't have li- aligned that much, but it's so special to see you've built the queen in me to hopefully yeah, inspire a younger generation of girls to Align with their values a bit more. It's obviously very well, not obviously, but it's very similarly aligned with what I do with the Good Human Factory, just trying to encourage people to build the self awareness and the self value to realize that you're not your career. You're yeah. not just India Robinson, the surfer, or India Robinson, the girl to sell bikinis for yeah. Roxy. You're India Robinson, the pro surfer. You're India Robinson, the <clears throat> respectful, humble, and um, trustworthy girl, not India Robinson just a pro surfer which i think is really cool and i think what you're doing with the young girls is um really inspiring and you should be really proud of it what's the future vision for um queen and me
3: yeah so um the camps are gonna um start flowing again as as i went on tour it was a bit hard to run them while i was away but um yeah as of next year january i've got another one going and then make them more consistent and then um after that hopefully I really enjoy what you do which is able to travel around and show people um your workshops and yes show more people which eventually I want to get to the stage where I can um yeah go see more girls even if that's overseas and some of the countries that don't have access to a lot of things we do and just um yeah further inspire that younger generation. I love that.
2: Let's real quickly elevate a pitch. If someone's listening and they've got a daughter or their girl who's into surfing and they're looking at maybe coming to a camp, what um what does a Queenie Me camp entail? How long is it? What um yeah, what do you do?
3: Yeah, so it's a three day camp um out of the High Performance Centre at Surfing Australia and Cazina
2: yeah Northern
3: you New South Wales. Yep, yeah. um it's three days of surfing trampoline skate sessions a lot of self-worth and value Mm -hmm. sessions um which is my favorite part they get the most out of i think and um yeah you stay overnight catering's involved um you get to like mesh with 18 other girls which is really cool and um yeah all filmed and yeah all levels yeah, except oh, so it's, Above beginner. Yeah, above You've beginner. You've be got to be able waves. to paddle out, catch your own waves. But other than that, um, yeah, welcome to all.
2: Awesome. Well, I'm going to leave in the show notes Um, a link to your camp, which is probably already full for January, but <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll leave it in there anyway Thank for anyone who wants to look into it on your website. But let's get into 2020 onwards then. Yeah. You've had a bunch of ups, a bunch of downs, and we're going to talk about them right now. So yeah. 2021, we finally get the green light. We can go overseas and travel again. Um, you make it on the Challenger Series. I was both on that Challenger Series as well last year. What was different with your, with your approach this year after you saying you had a few years of not really quite getting to, um, the level that you wanted to early round losses? What changed? What clicked? Um. Cause you qualified for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we will, we'll get into the journey, but yeah, you qualified for the tour in 2021. So what, um, what changed?
3: I think, um, working on my headspace, I, through that 2020 year it also allowed me a lot of time to work with um a few psychologists um both sport and just a normal psychologist um Jason Patchell has been amazing um support for me just changing the way I look at competing and um he also shined the light on like it's not the end like it's not the be all and end all like I've got this
2: you're not just a surfer yeah
3: exactly what you were saying you know like I've got this other passion of mine that I love doing and surfing's amazing competing's amazing but if I if it does get taken away from me then I've still got this other thing that's so special to me so I think knowing that I had that was able to take a lot of the pressure off me and also the financial side of things not having that outside pressure and being able to fund it myself was also a big, big thing for me.
2: That's epic. So we um yeah, get on that tour, we head overseas. First events Huntington. Yep. How'd you go on Huntington?
3: Pretty bad. <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So even before the um so before the Challenger series even started to qualify for it we had to go through the re- regional yeah, series yeah. and um it was the before the last event at cabarita yeah. i needed a result to Me qualify too. yeah we both needed a result to qualify for the challenger and um eight weeks prior to that was my first concussion okay yeah so um I, yeah eight weeks before it i was like getting pretty antsy i was like i've like worked so hard and now i'm not going to be able to compete at CABA and i'm not going to then be able to to chase the challenger series so um fortunately enough i used the six to eight weeks to get as well as i could and then i got the green light to compete in it just had to take it kind of so how did you have
2: your first concussion just quickly so eight weeks before that event at CABA, how did you get concussed
3: i um, really silly. I was just surfing at my home break at Pottsville That's and um, I, pulled, I pulled my leg rope. Uh, sometimes, like, just pull your leg rope to bring your board back, yeah. but I was facing the other way and the nose was actually pointing to me. So as I pulled the leg rope, the nose came on. flying and it just hit me in the temple, I think, when I've spoken to the specialist. If it had have hit me elsewhere, it wouldn't have been as severe, but because it got me in my temple – and I didn't tell anyone, um, that's what really threw me out and prolonged
0: the process.
2: Interesting. So when you say you didn't tell anyone, you just thought you just got a bump in the head and you kind of had a bit of a headache. What were, what were those next stages to understanding the severity of a concussion? Because I feel like most people listening would just go, oh, yeah, you hear concussions all the time, but yours has been an ongoing problem for you. So what um what was that next six weeks like?
3: It was tricky. Um Yeah, so after the initial hit itself, I was like, oh there's no blood I feel dizzy and it hurts like but there's no blood and I didn't get knocked out so it mustn't be a concussion like and that's what I associated a concussion with was you have to be knocked out or there has to be blood Mm. blood or something so um I did go in and I was like oh yeah headache like not feeling too well and just went straight to gym I had to go train I was like hey I'm just gonna it'll go away it's a headache And then, um, I trained and did the same thing the next day I went surfing and then I trained and then we were supposed to do some testing in the gym. And there was this, um, that there was this one where we had to pull the bar really hard. And I was like, I just feel so weak. Like, they're like, Whoa, like what's wrong? Like, do you have the flu? Like what's wrong? I'm like, no, like I hit my head the other day and it's just not been the same since I feel really off. And they're like, you've got to tell us these things. Like, if you've hit your head, we need to do a test and see if it's a concussion. And then, so then I went into the process of figuring out if it was a concussion, which it was, they diagnosed me with a concussion. They were like, Oh, this is really bad. Like the first three days are really important. You're supposed to rest, not do anything. And then it's a lot, it's a lot quicker to heal
0: uh-huh. um,
3: because I, skipped those first three days yeah, and kept and pushing and,
2: and, and again. put my
3: brain through so much more stress um that's what prolonged it and so I was then yeah it was I was honestly just bedridden in a dark room for six weeks like wow. um walking felt so hard it just felt like my body had given up like it just it was it felt demobilizing like I just felt paralyzed like I couldn't explain it but um yeah I had the only thing I could do in a day was ride a bike for 20 minutes which was to slowly start bringing oxygen to the brain and get the heart rate right, going and stuff but after that I I'd, I'd drive 15 minutes to the center have to take like a half an hour lay down that was like a what lot could for you just me. get tired I was so tired and wow. then I'd ride the bike for 20 minutes and then I'd have to take like an hour's break after I was so tired and I was just So hard for me to comprehend that I was surfing three times a day and doing gym and like playing footy, like doing so much.
2: Hit to the head of your board, isn't that
3: crazy? Yeah, it was so confusing for me. I couldn't understand it.
2: Wow. So that was your first concussion. So you. Six weeks, and you have this event coming up, and you're starting to feel pretty good by the end of it.
3: Yeah, and yeah. you have
2: that event, and as well, like you're not preparing for this event, like it must be so tricky. And then you get a result there, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I got I got the result I needed to to qualify for the Challenger Series, so yeah.
2: And then we set on the plane, we go over to America. Not a great first result. Yeah, the how's the head feeling once you get overseas and traveling and stuff?
3: Um, not good. Not <laughs> yeah, good. the plane was really hard like going on the plane for 15 hours um and just the higher pressure pressure and stuff was like really testing for me um
2: did you get warnings from the doctors that that might be a bit of a?
3: yeah they did say that it could happen and um when i talked to a few other athletes that have had it they said the same thing like flying can be tricky you'll get some weird pressures and you'll just feel when you get off the plane as well, you'll feel really off balance and just a bit out of sorts. So I definitely felt that and it took a while to start to feel somewhat normal. Um, But yeah, I got, yeah, we, I had to manage the lead up to the event. I could only surf, once a day really like twice was really pushing
2: it and i was
3: still yeah so managing energy was yeah the hardest part
2: (laughs) wow so u.s open not that good of a result portugal you did well
3: portugal i was really clicking with that wave and i felt really comfortable i got um i made a really silly mistake in my man-on-man heat i think it was in the quarters or around before 16 quarters maybe Yeah. yeah um I made a really silly mistake I let the girl go away and she got the score and I was like damn it like that was really silly of me so then going into France I was like okay there's only two events left if I want to qualify I've really got to knuckle down so in France I um I was like okay I'm learnt- I've learned all of the mistakes from that event I'm not making a mistake here I'm gonna do my best surfing and I'm just not making a mistake and yeah it worked <laughs>
2: how's the brain once you get to Europe Starting to feel like chaos. Yeah. Still pretty.
3: No, it was in France. It was probably the best I had felt in a while. I think um, the girls I was with and just having the the atmosphere we did at the events relieved a lot of stress for me. And mm. I was, yeah, I was really comfortable there. It's a really like the place itself has a really good energy around it, and the food's amazing. I felt really healthy in what I was eating, and um, so that made me feel good. And then, yeah, going into the water, I just had a really strong mindset. Like I was just, yeah, it was such a weird shift for me. I'd never felt it before, but I was just like, you're not beating me. <laughs> like wow. I'm not losing. And so um, I just and did you what didn't. you didn't
2: until done. the final. So yeah. I come away with a second in that event, which is huge for anyone um, listening to put it into context, I've been doing these prime events or what we used to call them, prime challenge series events. For I think 10 years, I probably would have done like 70 of them or maybe 80 of them and I've never made it to a semi-final. Yeah. <laughs> That's, have not, not put, like, you'd be able to attest that even being yeah. there for that long is like good be. I've done that many. Yeah. I think I had like five quarters and just yeah. never break the quarters.
0: It's but, so but yeah, hard. Yeah, it's
2: very – that's why, I like, to to get a second is a huge result. Yeah. And then that puts you in the top couple, which would have you in qualifying. And then Hawaii. What was Hawaii like for you? Because I know – another brain injury before yeah. Hawaii. yeah let's talk about france what happened between france and hawaii
3: yeah so after france um i decided to just go to hawaii really early one of my best friends lived on the other island of Kauai, and um that's gabby brian so she's on um tour as well yeah. so i was like i'm just gonna go hang out with her have my birthday spend halloween over there and then just spend time in Hawaii. It was my first ever trip. So I was like, I need to just put in the time, work with my shaper, John Paisel, and just really dial in. Like in my mind, I was like, okay, hey, I've, I've got a lot to do if I want to qualify. So I was really setting up for a really big preparation. And um, yeah, I think it was two weeks into my trip and probably five weeks out from Halieva starting, I was surfing backdoor and it was one of the onshore windy afternoons and unlucky again my board after a wave I popped up and my board swung around and got me in my left temple this time and I instantly knew I was like oh no this is the same feeling I had last time and I kind of just like went up to my friend i'm like i don't feel good like i've my boards got me in my head i think like we need going they take me home i'm not feeling yeah. good um and so then i went we went back to our place and i rang um the physio at surfing Oz, Paulie, and was like because he was managing a lot of my stuff and was like i just had another head knock like I don't know what to do. I was freaking out because yeah. I was like, I can't be out for six weeks. I can't yeah, not be competing in yeah. Hawaii. Either. And he was like, okay, like he went through all the questionnaires. We did all the stuff, um, the SCAT-5 testing to see if it was a concussion. And I instantly knew it was. Um, but, yeah, he confirmed it and then we went on a few calls with the doctors and they confirmed it as well. And um, this time I was like, hey, I'm not making the same mistake. I'm telling someone straight away. Yeah. Um, these first three days, I'm going to just sit in dark room, do nothing again. And so that's what I did. But again, it was really long process. Like, um, it was four weeks of doing nothing but a 20 minute walk. I didn't have a bike. So I was doing a 20 minute walk. And that's all I did in the day was that and a bit of stretching. And um, yeah, so four weeks of that. And going crazy because I'm no
1: screens, as no, well.
3: yeah, very limited screens. Um, and if I did look at a screen, it'd have to be a dark room and have to wear blue the blue lights. light glasses and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, so four weeks in a dark room, just pondering with my mind, thinking about qualification, just stressing that the fact did that did
2: you need a result, or were you,
3: yeah, I needed a result. There was so many of yeah, us that close. were really close, mm-hmm. um, there was only. Gabby was the only one that had confirmed her spot. So there was five other spots up for grabs and we all had such a mixed bag of results. So, um, I definitely needed another result and I knew that. So I was just constantly thinking about how much at an advantage the other girls are at because they're getting to spend four weeks surfing and training that I'm not able to. So I was getting really worked up with that and I had to, um, yeah, ring Botsy, my coach and, um, and then talk to Jace, my psychologist, and just try to figure out how I'm going to get to the point where I'm able to paddle out, and yeah, paddle out and actually make a heat that I needed to make. So it was really, really tough four weeks. <laughs>
2: and then let's talk about when Hallie ever comes around, how yeah. you feel on the day of the comps about to run. It was b- pretty big was, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
3: um, the first few days... It, Which kind of plays yeah. in your
2: favor. You surf good when the waves are big. Yeah, I was but honestly with pretty a happy. <laughs> maybe.
3: Yeah. Out. So I hadn't hadn't been able to surf that wave much at all. I think I'd surfed it three or four times in the lead up before surfing a heat out there. I'd watched it a bunch yeah. and studied it and learnt as much as I could from the beach side. Um, but surfing it very different to watching it. So um, yeah, I tried to learn as much as I could and then that first day it was really big and kind of bumpy when the boys had to surf and then by the afternoon it kind of cleaned up and still solid but really clean and I, I was just really excited to surf mm. I'd not surf for so long and I was like I don't have like I'd been surfing. You just come
2: off the best event I mean best result yeah. of your life a second place in a huge event so you like Yeah. what a crazy I roller coaster. Was, yeah
3: just kind of running with the emotions and Um, I'd been having to surf in a helmet and I was just so excited to take it off so I could surf my heat so I was like I'm just excited to surf catch waves and not wear my helmet and the waves are pumping so let's go out there and like do that so um yeah first heat I had a pretty stacked heat as well I had um Lakey in my first heat and I think another Hawaiian girl maybe and um yeah, the first wave I took off on was a really fun wave. I was just like, this is sick. Like, I love these kind of conditions. And I was just able to open up and do a couple carves. And um, I ended up winning my first heat. And I was like, oh, that felt good. Like, how did so you feel good. in the
2: water? Was the concussion starting to settle a bit or you were still?
3: um In the water, like in the heat, I wasn't thinking about it at all. Yeah. I was went into this like yeah. zone Adrenaline. where, yeah, nothing could come in or out. I was just like... catching waves and i'm surfing (laughs) yeah yeah so then um yeah i got through the first heat and then um the second heat was it was another really stacked one with um molly was in it and it came down to the last few minutes and i needed a score i was in third place and i needed a score to get back up into second so there was like a minute to go and um, there was a set that came through I, and Molly was looking at it and she decided to paddle over the first one. So I went the first one and she went the second and I'd done a few turns and like I needed a 4.8 or something and I was sitting in the water waiting for my score. The hooter had gone. I got the score and I was just like ecstatic. I was like, I can't believe it. I made another hit. I'm like, okay. Ooh, reset, got to surf another heat in like a couple minutes, like a couple, um, hours. So resetted and then went out and surfed, um, my semis and then won that. And then I came in and that's when I found out I qualified. I was like, you got to tell me now, like, have I qualified guys? My brother was there and, um, one of my best friends, Sophie Kulik, and I was just like, tell me like, have I done enough? And they were like, you need to focus on the final. Like, you got to go back out right now. I'm like, no in the final. Sure you tell me if I've qualified and they're like yeah okay you've qualified you've done enough and I was like how'd you go Whoa. in the final I got fourth in the final yeah right. a you did, of a shock. but did I was you just out to. there like, we, like we're like, we on tour like Chris was out there Betty Lou just qualified as well and like looking at each other like so we've shit. just done it like we're on tour next year this is crazy so it was a really big roller coaster oh yeah
2: I like I was there for most of the thing with you and had no idea about all these concussions. Yeah. It's, like, it's crazy how unaware we are of people's reality, what they're going through so often. Yeah. Um, let's talk about first year on tour now. Yeah. The first time they've changed the World Surf League tour to having a mid-year, well, not the first time, but a reshuffle for yeah. the first time since a while that we've done a mid-year or they've done a mid-year cutoff your first event of the years on at um, Pipeline as well, which is also very scary. Um, Yeah, talk us through that first six months on tour and talk us through, um, yeah, the carry-on from the concussion injury as well.
3: Yeah, so um, pretty much after Hallieva, I went straight home to Victoria and um, went to see specialists and was like, hey, we need to get this sorted, like, pipes coming up really quick, like, i only had a couple weeks to try and get ready for that and they were like you're tripping if you think you're able to like go to hawaii like you're not allowed we're saying now like we're giving you our clinical opinion to not compete in the hawaiian events like you can compete in the ones after that but you need to like really focus on your recovery because you've already pushed it too far um so i have
2: that to hear from a doctor when you you And once again, for anyone listening, the biggest dream for any young surfer is to qualify for the world tour. Yeah. To get told by a doctor that you should not go and compete in the first two events of the year of your dream of like lots of money on the line. The one thing that we all dream to achieve. What's it like getting told by doctors that you shouldn't be gone?
3: Um, It was heartbreaking. And I was just like, no, (laughs) like I just finally achieved my dream after so many years of hard work. Like, I'm not missing out on this. Like I don't care what it does to me, but you're not telling me that I can't go. Like mm. at the end of the day, it's my body that I can yeah. and I made that decision. So um they did warn me, they gave me lots of warnings about what could happen if I did push it. And um I decided to disregard it because and I don't regret it. Like mm. it was my first year on tour and it you was a dream never, come yeah, true. You might like,
2: never get that opportunity. Yeah. Then.
3: So although it's given me a lot of long term issues it's also something that i'll hold close to my heart forever so yeah, it was obviously. a really hard decision i sat down with the whole of surfing australia trying to figure out what to do and then um we came to the conclusion that i'd go to hawaii a week or two out from pipe most likely not going to do that event so in the lead up i wasn't i wasn't able to surf at all really i surfed for 20 minutes a day in a helmet. Didn't go near pipe, wasn't allowed at that stretch of the beach. I could only surf around sunset where it was a bit safer for like shallower reefs mm. and stuff. So I surfed, um yeah, around that area. And knowing I probably have to pull out of pipe was something I went into the headspace of like, okay, just get ready for sunset because I'm going to have to pull out. And then it started getting closer to when pipe was about to start. I'm like, Am I seriously going to miss out on the opportunity to surf in the first ever event at Pipe? Yeah. And then my mindset shifted again, and I was like calling up everyone, like I have to do this. Like, are you kidding? Even I can't you miss this. Out and just
2: sitting, yeah, your shoulder and catch one or two. So
3: then they were giving me the whole medical rundown, and whatnot. Like, what if you hit your head? So what
2: like, were you getting warned by the medical people that is could potentially happen if you come back too quickly from this second? concussion
3: they told me straight up that if you rush the process then it will develop into post concussion syndrome and you'll have um long-lasting effects on your eyesight and your the way your brain functions wow. um so that kind of just went straight over my head i'm like how do know how many
2: people have had concussions that they weren't aware of and they've oh. just got this brain like
3: oh, condition that they so don't many. know yeah like just people they're like oh i just feel a bit brain froggy or yeah, yeah. they just wouldn't know like i probably have had a few in my yeah. earlier stages of life but again it's just the oh,
0: wow.
3: oh, like the awareness around it is so minimal but yeah. it's starting to be opened up and talked yeah, about a lot more, like, more. i'm sure so. so
2: many people will learn from this conversation so um yeah they tell you don't do pipe you do pipe how'd you feel competing
3: um i wasn't like i was a wreck i was in all sorts like I knew that it was, I I had to be very cautious when I was out there, and that's not the kind of athlete I am. I like to just go for it, and like having to put a barrier on my surfing and what waves I can go and how to surf the wave and stuff was really hard for me to adapt to. Um, So, going out for that first heat, the only reason I honestly was able to compete in pipe was because Steph got COVID and I had Steph and Tyler in my first heat and with the mid-year cut I was like I can actually get a result by paddling out and doing nothing because Mm -hmm. Steph's unable to compete so I made the most of it and was like if I'm not able to compete in other events then I just make the most of making a third round because Steph's not here so um that was an easy decision the waves were small and I was like, let's just go out there and be a part of history, really.
2: Steph um, pulls out, you end up getting a third round there, didn't really get to put in a best effort. Yeah. And then you go to Sunset. um, Sunset's a pretty strong event for your your style of surfing. How'd you go there?
3: Um, I got to the quarters at Sunset, so um, pretty good result. I definitely felt like I could have gone further, Um, just a few little mistakes in that quarterfinal heat. But in the lead up to it and um yeah in the heats prior i felt really strong and comfortable out there i was working with one of the local hawaiian guys joel Senteo and
2: how good's joel oh he's such a legend i worked with him a lot when i was oh really oh he's
3: epic he's the best he's a lord um and then yeah had the best boards under my feet that I just trusted I picked it up and was like oh John like he's nailed it this feels sick like mm. I'll just surf this in my heat um so I spent so much time out sunset because I knew pipe was a write-off yeah that I was like, whilst those girls are focusing on pipe, I'm going to focus on sunset. And, um, yeah, I fell in love with the wave and just the raw open ocean feel of it and it has so much power behind it that I was like, this is like a really cool opportunity to showcase my style of surfing and, um, yeah, it worked out. I got a quarter, so I was stoked. <laughs> nice.
2: And then, so, and then you come home and how's the brain feeling at this stage after the Hawaii leg?
3: So after Hawaii we went to Portugal. to Portugal, yeah. Yeah. So I went straight to Portugal and I was super tired and fatigued. Like everything was starting to so take. Anytime a toll. you tried
2: to ramp it back up, it was It was just like... going
3: back down. Okay. Yeah. So as soon as I pushed it past my threshold, which wasn't much at that stage, um, it would take me back a couple of days and then my um yeah, like my whole nervous system was shot, so even just traveling i caught the flu and was in portugal i'm like i feel terrible and then we're at a really cold beach break so we had to wear thicker wetsuits and wearing a really thick wetsuit with a helmet i was like feeling really claustrophobic Mm. so i was like guys like i need to take the helmet off they're like nope you're not allowed like it's still this way shallow and punchy and this and that and then i was like oh i'm over it and so then there was a few surfs where i was like i'm just taking it off (laughs) and just like I'll play it safe like I'll be careful but um yeah so it was hard to adjust to going from Hawaii where I spent so much time at sunset and learning the wave to then jumping into Portugal not being able to really surf that much and um the wave was always changing and I was just so unprepared for it that I was like really scared to surf that event I was so nervous and was just stressed that i didn't have again i didn't have that the preparation, preparation. Mm. um so i went into it just like okay i'm just gonna try and do my best like i don't feel that comfortable but i'm just gonna do what i have to do um
2: one thing i want to quickly touch on are you talking about this in the meat because you weren't re- you kept this pretty secret too yeah there. yeah why i, I want to say that i mean i'm gonna make a guess here that Actually, I'm not even going to make a guess, I'm going to let you, was it because you didn't want to like show somewhat weakness to your competitors or was it, yeah, because I remember like watching a lot of those events and now once obviously it's podcast and you've got some stories coming out about what's been happening, it was pretty private. did many people know about this?
3: No, it was um, my close circle. Only my close circle knew what I was actually going through and um, how little I was able to surf and train, but. I did want to keep it on the download. Um, at Pipe, I did have to let WSL know yeah, just yeah. because I was gonna to have to pull out of the event, so they knew that I was suffering with a concussion at that stage. And did
2: they want to make a story out of it, and chose not to? Or
3: um, I told them to keep it private when I pulled out of Pipe. Um, I told like they just said due to an injury they didn't specify what it was um but there was a lot of people assuming that it was just because I was scared to surf pipe and I was getting really frustrated at that seeing a couple memes and stuff I'm like no like it's a lot more than that but I was just like oh I'm not ready to I didn't I also didn't want to use it as an excuse like my focus was on making the mid-year cut and then once I made the mid-year cut I was going to take the rest of the season off so my focus was to just get to that point without having this affect the way people looked at me and my surfing and stuff. Mm. I just, I wanted my surfing to do the talking and I felt that it's such a hard thing for people to understand that if they don't get it, then they just think you're using it as an excuse. So I was, um, yeah, I wanted, I was wanting to keep it really private and just try my best to push through it. And it also allowed me to try and stay in a zone where I, when I was in the Rashi and competing, I wasn't thinking about my injury. I was just thinking about Mm. doing the job that I'm here to do and, like, getting it done. So it was a bit of both.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's a a real balancing act because, I mean, telling people might have sort of taken that bit of heat off from people, like, making assumptions and creating stories in their own head. But, yeah, I mean, your decision to make and props to you for what you did Let's go to Bells now. Bells is your home event, probably. You, you would have surfed in it before, eh, as well, can't you? I haven't, oh, no. Okay, so no. Bells, getting to surf at home Yeah. against your heroes. How's the brain feeling there? Because you've got Bells and Margaret River to make heats to make that mid-year cut. Had those two events go.
3: Um, yeah, so going into Bells, I was feeling pretty comfortable because I was going home and I had my coaches there and I was just feeling really good about it. Um, I just got quarters at Portugal as well, so I was sitting in a pretty good spot on the rankings, um, obviously still knowing I had to get another result. And this being my biggest lifelong dream to compete at home at Bells in the Rip Curl Pro and not be um, board caddying or working at the event, but to be in the event as a pro surfer was one of, like, the top of the bucket list ticked off. So um, I was really stoked to just be going home and surfing in that event. But then the pressure definitely started to kick in. I was like, oh, I'm like the the hometown hero, as they were saying. And I was like being like, oh, what if I just I'm, – I'm not able to compete and like get the result they're all expecting from me. So there was a lot of that back and forth in my own head, like excitement to surf but also – scared of the pressure of failure, of, yeah, yeah failing so um yeah once it started though and i heard the song when i heard hell's bells as i was walking down i was like oh my god this is so cool like mm. i've been wanting this for so long and then they called it on at winky it was like a smaller two three foot day at winky and i was like i've surfed so many days like this like this is just gonna be fun um And so, yeah, I got through my first heat and I was just over the moon because I had, like, my whole community there for me. And then going into um, the round three, I got matched up against Steph again. (laughs) And I was like, okay, all right, I beat her at sunset. Like, she's going to be hard to beat out here. But, I mean, I know this wave, like, the back of my hand, I should do pretty well. And um, it was a really good heat. We went back and forth a lot. And then there was the big the change of the heat was she had priority and I was sitting underneath her and I saw this wave coming that I knew was going to hit shallower on the reef it was going to be a really good wave and I like saw it and she was still out further and looking out the back and I just remember seeing the wave and got excited and like kicked and as I kicked she looked in and she saw me and then she started paddling in and she took the wave off me and I was like oh my gosh why that's did I so do odd. that like that's the wave and then she got a seven on it I'm like that was the one if I had have just been more subtle with <sighs> my paddle I would have had that wave and I would have won that heat but um it was a really cool experience to surf against her at home and um have such close heat with her so yeah it was a really tough loss it really really stung but I was also proud of the effort I put in.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And then going to Margaret's, you need a result if you want to make this mid-year cut. What happened at Margie's?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Going into Margie's... Still that's
2: barely surfing, just still, only surfing heaps.
3: Yeah, so that's when my body started to actually wear down and I was getting a lot of injuries, like my back was playing up, my knee was starting to niggle and I just was starting to feel really fatigued and I got over to Margie's and I hadn't put a heap of time in at Margie's, but again, the wave style suited me, so I was pretty comfortable with um, having to compete out there with not so much preparation. Um, So I did everything that I could in the lead up whilst managing um, like my back injury and stuff. And then, yeah, the competition started and I was super nervous in my first heat, Um, got through that first heat again and then matched up with Steph again, had Steph in the third round once again. And it was a heat that pretty much whoever won that heat out of us was making the mid-year cut. So if I had a one, she would have fallen off if she wow. went. then she ended up winning it. We, it was a really slow heat. Um, I had a six, she had a seven, and then there was only one other wave and she had a four and I didn't have a backup. So it was like very, very tight again. And I came as I was paddling in, I was like, oh my God, like that's it. That's
0: done,
2: like, wow, isn't it crazy? The fork in the road, Steph goes on to win the world title this year. She loses that heat, she doesn't even. She was
3: not even on tour, crazy, super, it's so
2: crazy. So, you fall off the tour, it's obviously quite disappointing in the back of your head. You've probably still got not the excuse of your injury, but you underlyingly know that you didn't get to. I mean, you you're not practicing you're not doing what you've done pre- preparation wise for your whole career as a surfer on the first time you're on the top level yeah so what was um the process finishing the two hours like all right time to recover because this since then there's been the challenges there's been um yeah the challenge series and whatnot which you could have competed on that you've sat out this year
3: yeah
2: what how hard was it to make that decision and what's the recovery been like since what's the future looking like
3: Yeah, I think after Margies, when I lost that heat, I came in and it all just hit me. I was like, I just reached the highest level you can and achieved my dream but wasn't able to surf at 100% and able to give it my all.
2: sounds like you're barely able to surf at 50%. Yeah, I was
3: functioning probably at 50%. I wasn't um, at my best whatsoever. So that was the biggest kick in the guts was knowing I had so much more to give and I had some pretty good results, but just knowing how much better it would have been if I was mm. at 100%. So that was really, really hard to come to terms with. And then, yeah, after Margie's, it was like, okay, you didn't make it go do the Challenger Series at Snapper. You've got a like later. a week. I was like, how am I going to do that? Yeah. Like still I was. in their dark room. Yeah. Halfway. I was so fatigued and then. At Snapper, that's when I was hidden like breaking point mentally. I was like, I can't, I don't know what to do here, guys. Like, I am struggling so much. I don't know how I'm going to surf a heat. Like, it was so hard for me to get through that first half a year on tour. Like, at each event, I'm just fighting to get to the next one and fighting to get to the mid-year cut to then have a break. But now that I haven't made the mid-year cut, I can't take a break because I've got to do Snapper. So. I was just trying to fight and push through as much as I could and lost first round at Snapper. And then I was, I came in and was like, I'm done. I didn't like, I expected nothing less really. Like I just had nothing to give. My surfing felt horrible. Like I just wasn't all there. And then the next stop was Manly and it was in a week again. And I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm one that's. I'm not giving up like if I want to be back on tour I'm supposed to go to these events and do them so in my head I was like if I'm supposed to do it then I'll go do it so I I went down to Manly and I was getting ready for that event my back again was just so thrown out everything was falling apart and I'm like why did I come here like and so I paddled out for that first heat at Manly and was like I can barely paddle like my body's really giving in on me like I was really, really struggling to get back out the back and I lost that fight. Like, you know, when you're in heat and you're starting to lose and you're like, oh, You weren't feeling wave. like you
2: were in France where yeah, you no. felt like, oh,
3: no I, one's going to beat me. I felt like I felt everyone like, was right. going to beat me. Yeah, I was out there and I was like, if a wave comes through and I need a six, I don't know if I can get the six because my legs feel weak, my arms feel weak, I feel slow and I came in from it just like. Take me I mean, somewhere, anywhere away from here. Like I need to go and I need to not compete. So I, um, yeah, I came back up home to Pottsville and went and sat down with um, my support crew and was like, I can't go to Bolido. Like there's no way. I need so much help right now. And they were like, okay, let's figure out who the best person to see is. Um, I started talking to Tyler and Owen about who they saw and, I was like I need some support so um yeah they told me who they saw which was Brett Jaros in Melbourne so um um yeah I went straight away down to see him in Melbourne and finally I had a lot more clarity around what was going on in my brain before that the specialist had just been really Kind generic. of generic about what was going on, like, oh yeah, yeah, you've got a concussion. Like your eyes aren't functioning properly. There's a few this like is gonna problems take times, yeah. yeah. But it's he different was
2: different for a top level athlete who's it, trying to get back. Yeah, I
3: game. need times and how how do I fix it? Tell me how I need to yeah. fix it, and I'll do it. So I, when I saw him, we did so many tests, and the tests you were actually able to see what was wrong. Like when we did the eye and the vestibular stuff, you were able to look back and see how your eyes aren't tracking properly and that they're a bit shaky and all mm. of these kind of things. I was like, this is so much more beneficial for me knowing that it's not just in my head and I'm not making it up. There's actually something wrong with me here. Mm. So when um, I saw him and I got my diagnosis of so many dysfunctions in my brain, I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel better about that. I felt so bad because it makes more sense now. Yeah, yeah. And he gave me, um, a really strict rehab routine to do and I was like cool I'm gonna do this he said it's different for everyone the rehab process it can be six weeks for some sometimes it can be six months um unfortunately for me I am t- ha- having to take the longer road with mine um but it's slowly getting there
2: yeah wow so that's been three months probably since then but well, we're in November recording this, yes. so and that was in what June, June May, yeah. May June, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so three four months,
0: yeah.
2: Wow, and yeah, how are you feeling now? What's um, what's the future looking like for you? You're obviously, just focusing on your recovery this year. You be back in the regional tour next year,
3: um, or are you so going to try
2: and sit that out and go straight to the challenger next year?
3: So I've, I've still got a bit of rehab to do. Um, how I've,
2: are you feeling now? Like day to day, you're back to pretty close, or
3: Still only surfing once a day and doing gym. So that's progress for me being able yeah. to surf and do gym in the same day. Otherwise, yeah, before I was having to alternate and just choose what I wanted to do. Um, so it's my, I'm able to do more and I'm being able to handle a bit more in my day to day, still having to deal with a lot of um, vestibular and eye stuff. That's probably my biggest issue.
2: When you say eye stuff, what do you mean?
3: Um, so the easiest way to explain it is there's like your right frontal lobe when when you're trying to, when you look at stuff, for me reading is really, really hard. When you see stuff and you're trying to register the information, it go, it gets sent to your brainstem. So the connection between the right frontal lobe to the brainstem for me it gets lost in transition. So, when I'm reading and I see a word and it, the message tries to get sent down to then process what it is and understand it, because it's getting lost, I then have to jump back and try to figure out what it is. So, it's a big strain on my eyes because they are having to work double time because the connection's yeah, lost. Wow. Yeah. So, it's... um really fascinating when he explained that to me because i was like why am i getting so much pain and pressure behind my Mm, eyes like it doesn't make sense and i'm like that's not where i got hit Mm -hmm. and he was like no it's like completely different and when he explained it like that i was like that makes a lot more sense to me so Mm -hmm. um yeah having to restrain from doing too much stuff like reading and um writing or yeah stuff like that and then even loud noises or if there's too much going on that's a lot of process for me, like a lot of stuff for me to yeah. process i can't do it as quickly as the average human so it just takes its toll on me and then that's when the headaches and the pressure behind the eyes will kick in
2: Interesting. and then what is 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 he expecting you to make a full recovery or is this going to be long term oh it's impossible to say
3: it's, it's really hard to say. Um, he says like most people do recover from it. It's just how long it will take. Um, there's definitely a chance that because I've had a few head knocks that the, the eyesight stuff and a few of those complications could stay around for a while. But, um, he said, as long as I, don't have another one is the main one if i don't have another head knock and just do all of my rehab stuff then i should make a recovery
2: what precautions are you taking surfing wise because it's not something that we can really yeah
3: yeah it's very hard to know if your ball is just going to fly around and hit you in the head so um when it comes to surfing waves of higher consequence that's when i wear my helmet um and then just I just find myself if I do fall off a wave, just doing this, yeah, like your head. or if I, if I pop up, it's like just yeah. cover my surroundings because I don't want it coming anywhere near my head. Yeah, yeah wow.
2: <laughs> so what um what is your vision for the future now? What are you looking forward to? You're obviously, I think twenty two still you're very early in your career. You still have many many years of your peak ahead of you which I'm excited for, what, um yeah, what's your future goals now?
3: Yeah, so I'm actually going to go back to Halieva in about a week's time to go test myself, see where I'm at physically and mentally, um to see if I'm ready to compete again. So it'll be a good test to see where I'm at. Um, also Will promote... they give
2: you a spot, WSL, if you want
3: it? Yeah, yeah. Sick. So I've got a spot at Eva, and then I've also got a spot for the Challenger Series next year because they set a rule up for the top two people who didn't make the cut get an instant spot onto the challenger so that's good because you had
2: to say not under this year they push it a year for you
3: yeah yeah so they've put me in for next year which is a good thing like it means i have more time to recover and spend on that and i don't have to chase the regional series i'll still do a couple just to to get back in the flow of it but um yeah the main focus is going to be being as healthy and fit as possible for the challenger next year and then qualify yeah
2: Let's see it. I'm yeah. excited to watch the journey. <laughs> nah, next year's um going to be fun to watch. I'm excited to watch you on the Queen and Me journey as well. I yeah. think hopefully a lot of young girl surfers have listened to this episode and been inspired not only by your journey but also by, yeah, the values that you try and hold and try and live by because you've obviously been dealt some really tricky cards with the concussion stuff, which I'm fascinated by. I've been so educated today. It's something that I was so unaware of. Like you'd hear about concussion when it came to like NFL and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, but even like with Owen's one, I never really because his was a bit different. His was like a shake rather than an actual impact. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. Which again, like I didn't even know there was different ones. Yeah, it's it's not the hit itself that's the problem. It's the brain brain that gets knocked to the side and then bruised. More with
2: big wave surfing
3: yeah i'm not sure it's there's so much more to it that i want to learn a lot more about as well, <laughs> well
2: hopefully i'm gonna get um, a rapper to send yeah. you to a rapper, and hopefully the rapper can heal, help with yeah. the healing uh, they've um yeah i know they've got a bunch of research that goes into stuff that's good for the brain yeah, so that's fascinating. um i'm gonna get you a bunch of that sent Sick, but it's been incredible getting to catch up and really yeah. learn your story to be honest because like i said i was with you for months of the journey on the challenger yeah. and had no idea i I remember when you, because we were training together at HPC when you were going through the yeah. first concussion and yeah. I remember you kind of mentioning it, but I was just like, oh, it's just two weeks out of the war, yeah. like two weeks of chilling. But now it's, um yeah, it's blown me away to understand a bit more about your story. And yeah, I'm really excited to watch you flourish, hopefully over the next couple of years. You've obviously got the talent and made a mark on the tour at 30, 40%. So let's um see how you go once you get back to 100%. 100%. I'm really excited for it, but Yeah, thanks so much for jumping on. The last question I do finish Good Humans podcast with every single time is what does being a good human mean to India
3: Robinson? I think showing respect and caring for everyone that you come into. I think what you preach is so special that you don't necessarily know what someone's going through. So just show them the respect and kindness that you'd want in return and I think that would get some people that would make their day. If you, Yeah just say hi and how are you <laughs>
2: that's beautifully summed up i couldn't have said it better myself but thanks so much for jumping on i guess last thing where can anyone find you if they want to um, get in touch whether it be for queen and me whether it be to hear more about your story um yeah again now's the time to plug everything yeah i leave it all in the show notes as well so yeah. it's easy but um just yeah wherever you want to direct people
3: sweet um yeah i've got instagram that's just underscore india robinson and then queen and me com dot au that's where you'll find all the information about the camps and stuff so hopefully i'll see a couple of young girls there
2: yeah i'm sure you'll be seeing plenty of them so yeah i'm excited to watch the journey thank you so much for jumping on good humans you're a very good human and i appreciate um sitting down and taking the time to have a chat so thank enjoy.
3: you cooper that was so fun thank amazing. you amazing
0: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well